all for the storyline, I guess. everyone and welcome back to your champions breakfast podcast i'm your host hannah and together we are reviewing the latest and greatest in the anime world before i get people on who have never really seen anime and force feed it down their throats so this week i am just all me myself and i and i'm going back to my roots and watching some my hero academia before i do get started of course i would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which i am speaking today which is the gadigal land and pay my respects to the elders past present and emerging always was always will be aboriginal land so as i said this week i watched four episodes of my hero academia i've watched episode 20, 21, 22, and 23. And their names are Victory or Defeat, Battle on Challenges, Bakugo versus Uraraka, and Shoto Todoroki Origin, which you can gather I'm, I'm fangirling on the inside. <laughs> Most of the stuff that happened in this episode was um pretty straightforward we saw a lot of the fights we saw a lot of backstories um unfortunately most of the big name fights that i was looking forward to were not the ones that stole my heart i found episode 21 the most exciting episode because of all the no-name characters and all of the people that we got introduced to absolutely loved meeting new characters love seeing their personalities love seeing you know secondhand villains um to be <laughs> but there was a lot of big name fights that just kind of hit missed the mark for me which I will get into so let's start off episode 20 when we left our favorite little protagonist he was being brainwashed because the lovable derp has no fucking idea how to follow instruction and has opened his mouth instantly and allowed himself to be taken over by the world's scariest quirk in my opinion shinzo has the ability to ask a question with his victims responding when they respond to him he can choose whether or not he wants to possess them so in saying this Deku had met up with ojiro earlier on in the last episode and ojiro had told him you know one way to defeat Shinzo which is literally do not say anything like normally this is like you'd be a case of you know oh you did nothing wrong you tried your best but this time it's literally Deku you had one fucking rule you had one job do not talk and you could not even do that so honestly the start of this episode already annoyed me and I have zero sympathy for this kid right now and the rest of the in the episode annoyed me too it was a very infuriating episode. A lot of questions have been left over, but as we always say, do it for the storyline. In this case, the storyline can go get fucked because I am really confused. I also want to note something about Ojiro. This is the guy who has the blonde hair and the tail that gave the initial advice to Deku not to speak, which Deku took absolutely no notice of. If anyone can please tell me, what the fuck is his tail? It looks like the same tone as his skin. And if that tail is made out of skin with a little tuft of fur on the end, then I fully believe 
that Horikoshi, the dude that wrote this, did this kid dirty with one of the most unsettling quirks imaginable. Some are gross or funny, like um, Kyoka with her earlobe ox cord thingies or Mina Ashina with the pink skin and the acid spit. But then there are those that take the cake, like Ojiro with this fucking tail nonsense. But like also, you know, Shoji, the guy that, the guy that's got the wings that are made out of skin and his eyes and mouth come out the end of it. Like, <laughs> what? I am disturbed by these two and it confuses me how nobody is disgusted by their quirks. Like I understand that they're living in a quirk world where they're going to be seeing weird shit all the time. But honestly, most of the people that are in their class have an invisible quirk, which means that they are not physically different. There's probably about five people that look different in their class. So back in the first episodes, no one even batted an eyelash when these (laughs) monsters walked in. And I'm just really confused because I want to know what Ojiro, uh, what his quirk even is for one, but also what is his tail made out? Is it just skin? Because if we think about, if okay, put it into perspective. If you think about the tail being made out of skin, if you look down at your arm right now, Imagine that coming out of your ass. That would be, <laughs> without the hand, that would be disgusting. It just it just unsettles me. I just don't like it. But that, you know, I didn't write the story, so who, who fucking cares? Back to the story. And Deku, our favourite little no-brained king, is about to lose his match. But, of course, we cannot have that for our little protagonist. Somehow... <sighs> Somehow, one for all appears to activate itself. And Deku sees what looks like the previous owners of one for all in like this tunnel who allow him to break his own fingers and therefore snap out of the mind control. Now, this is my problem. One, (laughs) I find this completely unbelievable and I am not a fan that every time Deku is in trouble, one for all appears to level up without Deku actually doing anything. And then all of a sudden he is more powerful than before. In the past, it's been a little bit more understandable, like going up against Shigaraki and his bones didn't break. But this is bullshit. (laughs) I do not understand the point of all the ancestors coming back and showing themselves so that once again, I'm going to be asking you guys for more insight that isn't going to ruin it, please reach out and let me know because I am scared that this is going to be one of the most annoying tropes and only come back each time it is convenient for the storyline. I do not mind someone leveling up and powering up, but I like a training arc or I like an explanation. I am confused about this scene. Anyway, once Deku has somehow freed himself from the mind control. He embodies some Mike Tyson energy and literally throws Shinzo out of the ring. Unfortunately for Shinzo, he has a quirk that he has to heavily rely on, meaning that when it comes time for fisticuffs, he is just shit out of luck. However, if the storyline played fair, he would have sent Deku out of the ring instantly because Deku had zero control over his power and was at a serious disadvantage. But that's not what happened, is it? 
we get can you tell that I'm not I'm not very happy with this episode (laughs) we get the Shinzo flashback while he's down and out for the count which allows the audience to learn to sympathize with the poor bastard and goddamn, they have done it again Shinzo acknowledges and understands um that during elementary school where he looked exactly the same by the way um so during elementary school his quirk could easily be used as a tool for evil like he understands this and his friends joke as well that they hope he doesn't use it on them it did low-key break my heart seeing and hearing all of this um and realizing that how much he has been related to evil because of what he was born with and honestly what a break of the fourth wall never see that shit in real life do we it was really powerful I learned to sympathize with him very quickly and I do now believe that Shinzo wants to become a hero to prove to everyone that a quirk that powerful and with so much potential for evil or cruelty does not have to be used in that way. So I'm kind of loving Shinzo now. Hated him, hated his quirk, and here I am. (laughs) Which is what happens with everybody that I hate. (laughs) Belly button boy, where are we? The best part as well is that while he's walking out, he's been defeated, he's leaving the arena, all of his classmates are like hanging over the banisters and are so proud of him. And then they point to all the pro heroes who are cheering and stating how helpful that quirk would be when fighting crime and that it could literally cut crime fighting in half. Hopefully he just builds up some fighting skills to actually be helpful, but maybe this will also be the push that he needs. I think that Shinzo has a lot of potential to be a fantastic character and I am now really looking forward to seeing what happens and where he goes with this. Okay. Back to my questions though. (laughs) Deku goes to see Recovery Girl for his fingers. They begin talking about the vision that he had and All Might disagrees that seeing the ancestors had anything to do with Deku breaking out of the possession but he offers literally no alternate as to how he did it. He states that it just probably won't happen again. What? (laughs) What? I'm so confused about what happened during the fight even more than ever. And there is so like no explanation. Normally, I thought that My Hero Academia explains things really well. They go into depth with stuff. They give us, you know, a logical explanation for the universe that we're living in. But this was a massive plot fall. I'm really confused. How did he break himself out of the possession how did he break his finger why did he see all of the previous one for all owners and what does that mean i'm hoping that i get more of an explanation at some point i know that i don't get them in any of these episodes but fuck (laughs) why i'm so confused anyway we end episode 20 with Endeavor just playing father of the year and telling Todoroki that he will never be able to reach his potential if he doesn't use the power that's been passed on from himself. He hypes Todoroki up so much just before he goes out for his first fight and it's the first time that we actually see like Todoroki's anger 
and the poor no-name character that goes up against him is frozen instantly in an ice coffin that just about takes over the entire stadium. He is on another level and I am nervous for Deku. Well, I was nervous. I've seen what happens now and I was rightfully nervous for Deku in that moment. I also wanted to note that, uh, yes, I bring it up all the time, but I sense like a Sasuke vibe from Todoroki and during the conversation Endeavor does mention that he has siblings. So I was wondering at first if there was going to be like a dark evil brother cliche and I have actually seen a few like memes and stuff of this guy who I think think he's Todoroki's brother he's got like stitches all over his face and all over his chest and looks pretty evil and then I think this is what is also giving me this Sasuke vibe because Todoroki hella Sasuke like he's got he's got a bone to pick with family everyone's against him and not as much as like Bakugo but like now if he has a brother and the brother does not seem to be around, is the brother evil? And if the brother's evil, is it going to be like Itachi? Am I literally just watching like a reincarnation of Naruto? Because <laughs> like parts of this really make me feel like I am. And I don't mind, but I'm kind of, if, if, if it turns out to be that Todoroki's brother is evil, that's fine. If it turns out to be Todoroki's brother is evil, but he's a double agent, mm, less fine. I'm kind of hoping that it's like a, he's evil, but for his own reasons and maybe he comes back to us. I don't know. But like, I, I'm hoping that it's not going to be the same kind of storyline as Sasuke Itachi because yes, I loved it, but it's been done. And like a lot of animes have done that as well it's a trope that just keeps troping (laughs) so I'm nervous but I you know My Hero Academia also does a lot of stuff their own way and I really like that as well so fucking hell I don't know I'm nervous but I'm hopeful (laughs) so episode 21 this episode was just a big compilation of no-name fights but low-key this was my favorite episode that I watched this week some of the fights I was super hyped for and followed through, such as um, Ida and May, but then others that I thought would be absolutely lit kind of missed the mark and really broke my heart, like Momo. I, oh my gosh, that crushed me. I'll get there, but good Lord, my heart sank for that poor little queen. So we started off with Denki and the Poison Ivy girl. She seems to be like some kind of martyr. She preaches about her good nature, making me want to buff, talks in like Shakespearean language. Annoyed me instantly. But of course, Denki had fallen over, had fallen head over heels in love with her. He tries to electrocute her as soon as the match starts, but she builds a wall of vines. And then while Denki is all burnt out and, you know, (laughs) cross-eyed she captures him and wins the match now I am confused with this match because I thought that the amount of electricity in the air meant that she would still get electrocuted I am no science whiz by any means and I will never ever claim to be anything but 
But <laughs> I would have thought that science could explain and prove my theory that regardless of where she was standing and where that shield of vines would be, she would still get electrocuted. I have no idea if this is similar, but I know that we were always told not to stand under trees during lightning storms because it would conduct electricity. I would she still get electrocuted then? Like if it can conduct electricity and she's connected to the vines that are in her head and he's sent that much electricity out, she would still get electrocuted, right? I am... Please, yet again, someone prove me wrong because I am confused. I do think that this is going to be a powerful character. I didn't get much from her apart from a Momo vibe, but, you know, her being strong and powerful and a force to be reckoned with, she's quite clever. She was calm the whole time. She seemed very put together and, um, you know, if she's anything like Momo, then I'm going to like her anyway. I was worried at the start of this show that it was going to be another shonen with quite poorly written female characters. But I am impressed. I've struggled a lot with a lot of the older animes. Um, Naruto has fucking horrible female characters. The only female character that doesn't simp over a guy is Tsunade. And that's because they ditched her boyfriend early on in the series. And then when she had another romantic interest, they fucked him off too. (laughs) Then there's other shows that have done it really well, I feel like. Demon Slayer has done a really good job. I do think that Fairy Tale has done a good job. They are built around fan service and, you know, tits and ass. But Urza is a great character. Um, and then there's other shows, you know, Bleach kind of... Ugh, I struggled with Bleach, but they do have some powerful characters. You know, and so I just think that My Hero Academia, these episodes have been full of very powerful feminine energy and this is what I like. I want a show that has a powerful female character, not one, not two. I want five. I want all of them. You should have as many powerful female characters as you have powerful male characters. So... I am loving it. Momo, this bitch, Achako. There's a lot of characters in these episodes that I am happy they're there. So go team. (laughs) Also, I did like the way that this show has been introducing characters that are unbearingly annoying and then using that character as a form of like recurring comedy. Monoma who's from class 1B, he was the one with the copy quirk. We see him just shit-talking class 1A and before anyone can do anything about it, his own team knocks his ass unconscious. Like just, well, like how we were introduced to Belly Button Boy, who I hated, but now when he isn't in an episode, I really miss him. I like how they do that and I like how the annoying characters are men (laughs) not that I hate men I fucking love men but I don't need another shonen anime where I hate another woman (laughs) anywho Deku is being a little geek writing down every fight and every quirk that's been shown so that he knows what to do if he ever goes up against them now I might be wrong I don't think I am but I might be wrong it would be very interesting to see if Shigaraki got a hold of these books He has, what, 13? It would be an actual cheat sheet for him to be able to take over. 
surely there is more than just keeping notes on everyone in this story. Surely there is more of a reason as to why Deku is doing this and why we see it come up concurrently throughout the episodes. If these aren't used in some capacity in the future, then I think this is a very wasted plotline because imagine like what I think will happen towards the end of the tournament arc if we see an infiltration or people come in and invade imagine we saw that um by the end of episode 23 Deku's down and out for the count where are his textbooks what if someone comes in takes the books knows everything about everyone in class 1a class 1b in the support class knows everything about May's inventions like and then also all of the pros Aizawa All Might Mount Lady, all of these pro heroes have been written about in these books. Imagine the potential if an enemy got a hold of it. I'm keen. <laughs> I hope it happens. If not, like I'm making a really entertaining plot in my mind, but hopefully it happens. Next up, we had um, Ida and May and it is literally just a live action commercial for May's support gear. She is so clever. She gave Ida some support gear to make the battlefield more level, quotation marks, and plugged in her own mic so that she can speak to the crowd. However, she has literally set him up to use her support equipment, which she knows the weaknesses too, in order to make a fool out of him and give herself more time to plug her shit. <laughs> she is a genius. Yet another female character that I'm really enjoying. Oh. If you like like if you know that you don't have the quirk or the skill to win, then use it to your advantage while you can and move on, which she fucking does by giving up at the end and calling it quits. She leaves Ida to get through to the next stage of fights because she knows that she's not going to win. She, like, that I, <laughs> I was so impressed. She literally talks about her equipment during the whole thing. Ida cannot keep up with her. People are confused but really impressed. This fight I was so excited for and it did not disappoint. She also has some really cool quirk called Zoom, which allows her to see up to five kilometers away. I didn't really think about the fact that she would have a quirk because she does do the support gear. It isn't anything that can win battles, but it definitely would help in addition to her support gear and her intellect. So I really do like her as a character. And I also think, <laughs> I also think that her and Ida would be a kind of cute couple, but that's just the uh, simp inside of me hoping that something happens because I waited 500 fucking episodes in Shippuden for someone to fall in love and it never happened. But I digress. Next. <laughs> Next is my boy, belly button boy. And he's going up against his make-believe girlfriend, Mina Ashina. She's the pink one that spits acid. I will never on this podcast, call that man by his rightful name. I refuse. <laughs> Mina is slime skating circles around our hopeless little Frenchman while he tries to keep up and he pelvic thrusts his way to victory. 
and it is such an unflattering motion to use his quirk. Plus, he is yelling to Mina the whole time, this is a big one, and then thrusts. It fucking sent me. I love this kid and I am so angry at previous Hannah for hating him, but I love him. Unfortunately, though, as he described in an earlier episode, if he uses his quirk too much, then he gets a sore belly, which begins happening right as Mina spits acid onto his pants, making them fall down and exposing his undies before flying forward and giving him an uppercut that knocks the poor bastard out. So belly button boy ends his claim to victory, knocked out, pantsless and with a sore belly. Gone out like the true hero that he is. <laughs> I thought that I, I, I mean, like I knew that this fight was going to be my favorite and it was everything that I could have asked for and more. I have enjoyed every fight so far in this episode. Good Lord. They came to play and they sent it. I am loving it. There is a split scene in this episode also where we're shown Mount Lady and Kamui Woods out the front and every single time they are watching the screen. They are not watching the perimeter and I am firmly, again, I'm saying it on record. I am under the impression that these guys are going to drop the ball. A Trojan fucking horse could roll in and these two would have no idea. Now, for the real upset of the tournament with Momo and Fumikage, this was a sad fight and it absolutely broke my heart for Momo. She creates a shield and with three hits, Fumikage has knocked her out of the ring without her even realizing it. She's counting the hits. As they stop, she's about to take a step forward to go and counterattack and the match is called because he's knocked her out of the ring. So disappointing for her to not even be able to show off her skills. But it also seems like Fumikage doesn't respect her enough to actually give her a proper fight. I'm not sure if he just didn't want to fight a classmate or if he thought that he would overpower Momo. But she is also a strong and formidable enemy, as they say. Like, fucking fight her. I hope that she shows up at some point for a rematch because it, it was embarrassing for her and I felt really sorry for her and I'm so confused as to why Fumikage did that. He respects Deku who cannot control his quirk, doesn't necessarily have as much of a battle intellect as Momo does and yet he didn't even give her a chance. It was almost like he was playing with her. So this was one that I was, again, I was really looking forward to, but it was pretty upsetting to see the outcome. It was still an interesting choice though. I'm not mad that this happened. It was an interesting choice to make. I think that we're going to see Momo go through some stuff in the next couple of episodes. Um, we didn't see any in the ones that I watched this week, but I think that we're going to see another side of her. Maybe we're going to see her want revenge or want to prove herself um but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here because I felt so bad um and this queen needs some sort of justice the final battle of this episode is <laughs> Tetsu Tetsu and Kirishima which I had absolutely no interest in and apparently neither did the storyline 
Those two are the same temper, the same quirk, and while I love them individually, they were obviously put together to fight to allow the viewer a chance to go behind the scenes and escape the fighting. We instead go to see Ochako getting ready for her battle against Bakugo, which is its whole episode entirely. I know I mentioned in the last episode that I thought they would knock each other out and lo and behold, my friends, how predictable was that fight? Guess what happened? (laughs) Tetsu Tetsu and Kirishima knocked each other out. So this fight goes on for quite a while so that we can literally just see um, Achako having a chat with Deku. They don't even declare a winner. So in the next episode, I believe, they have to have an arm wrestle it's ridiculous, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't understand why they were put together. But at the same time, it gave us a chance to see Ochako. She's explaining that she's always relied on Deku to get her this far without realizing it. And she doesn't want his help when he's offering to help, which I also think would be cheating, but it's pretty redeemable of her. I did not rate Ochako that highly for the longest time. But this round of episodes has definitely bumped her up from the shit list. A little bit. Not a whole great deal. Momo is still the number one girl with May now strongly catching up. But she's done well. Which brings us to the next episode, episode 22. This is yet another one of those episodes that took 10 minutes to start. Meaning that we had the whole episode focus on Bakugo and Achako. Which I'm not mad about. It was a really good fight. Deku talks openly about the fact that his plan was to tell Achako to just touch Katsuki so that he could float out of the ring, meaning an easy victory. But it was pretty obvious that that wasn't going to happen because we saw that with Momo, it ended so quickly and it was so anticlimactic. There had to be a reason that this was the last fight. And I think it would have been boring to do another run of less than entertaining fights. And also Momo has proven herself to be useful in many situations that it was surprising for her to be beaten. Whereas this is the chance for Ochako to surprise us with her bravery, her battle intellect, and especially when under intense pressure, because she does generally rely on Deku or Ida each time. We haven't really seen her be an individual winner. She shows how quick thinking and versatile she can be throughout this battle, like when she takes off her jacket to use it as a decoy for Bakugo to mistake her while she comes in from the other side, which didn't work, but it definitely was genius. One annoying thing that Achako does, though, is that when she finally has an opening each fucking time, she does the... I've got you and screams and runs in. And I'm like, are you serious? I do not understand. Every shonen people do this. And then they get caught. Like some shows do this maneuver, but it's an internal monologue when they yell and they pull off the sneak attack. But, you know, there's so many where they actually yell it out and then they literally give away their location, ruin their sneak attack, and then wonder, why do they keep catching me? Because you're a fucking idiot and you keep showing where you are. (laughs) I just can't. That's a pet peeve of mine and it really frustrates me. And I, a choco babe. I'm not going to be angry at her though. It 
was written by someone else and also Deku does it. So I, I need to be need to be more resilient to some of the stuff that this show throws it gets to a point where every time that a Chaco does go in Bakugo is throwing some serious explosions at her which makes everyone in the crowd start booing the person that's winning the battle for the first time even the pro heroes start talking smack to Bakugo who in true Bakugo style throws it right back um, but he's also throwing it right back at the people who are potentially his future employers, which is not the smartest thing to do. Aizawa steps in to tell everybody that they're idiots and Bakugo is being respectful because he's treating Ochako as a worthy competitor. Unlike someone who would have gone easy on her like Ida or Kirishima probably would have. I don't know if respectful is the right word, but that's what Aizawa says and he's king. So I guess we're calling it respect to completely destroy her. <laughs> Little does Bakugo realize that Ochako has been floating all of the debris that he's been knocking up around them to use as ammunition, like a makeshift kind of like meteor shower. I was pretty impressed. I thought that this was going to happen when she started darting back and forth because surely she is smarter than just trying this tactic over and over and over again with no game plan. Like if she was just jumping out, revealing her location and trying again, I would have been pretty pumped. That's some sucker bullshit right there. I was also kind of disappointed that Deku didn't think of this though and that his idea was to float Bakugo out of the arena that was some dumb shit right there. But Deku does have some dumb moments. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with Achako for coming up with this game plan. Bakugo fires above himself and blows all of the debris away, um, noting though that she almost did have him, which respect. He then runs at her and yells out her name. It's the first time that we've seen him use anyone's first name. Even though it was an intense moment, I noticed that. And he obviously, I mean, like I was questioning it, but maybe he obviously does have respect for her in this fight. And I kind of vibe it. Before anything can happen, though, while he's running at her, Achako passes out from exhaustion and Bakugo is announced as the winner. It was a really intense fight and it made me a little bit uneasy because I was really stressed about Achako. One thing I don't like, though, is that Bakugo blames Deku for the idea of floating the debris. And, um, bro, women can have great ideas too. <sighs> so that we can stop watching fights, Tetsu Tetsu and Kirishima are brought back out. They have an arm wrestle to see who will move on with Kirishima winning. Um, so he's going to go on and fight Bakugo. And honestly, I am here for that fight. That sounds great. And finishing up this episode, we see Deku staunching Endeavor. Like he isn't able to hammer this noob into the ground with his fucking thumb. But that's our boy. Endeavor has put together that Deku is showing off a similar quirk to what All Might has. And he wants answers. Which for once, Deku is not willing to hand over. Normally he fucking sprouts his information to anyone who will listen but throughout this conversation they are talking about Todoroki and Endeavor keeps calling him my Shoto 
obviously just a real piece of shit, this guy. And he has this idea that he owns Todoroki like a piece of property and not like a son. I am intrigued to know why Endeavor is this way. Obviously something has happened to make everyone the way that they are in this show. I've been looking forward to the boys' backstories, but now I kind of want to see more from Endeavor and All Might. I'm not sure if we're going to get that. I hope we do. I think there's like five seasons. So surely, surely I'm going to get some more from Endeavor. All Might, I'm assuming that I would, but Endeavor, I'm kind of intrigued to see why he is the way he is. Um, So during the conversation, Endeavor also talks about Todoroki's siblings, which I knew, like I said, that it might be the guy with the stitches on his face. I don't know anything about him. He looks evil, but so do a lot of people in this show. So I have no idea what to think at this point. I also know that there's a lot of weebs who fangirl the shit out of the brother. So can I kind of see my future taking shape? (laughs) Uh, If I loved Hodoroki, surely if everyone else loves this guy, then maybe I will. But at the same time, where is he? I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. And on that note, our final episode of this pod episode was episode 23 where we watched Deku and Todoroki fight each other and let me say I was hyped the fuck up for this battle and rightfully so so this is the first battle of the finals it did the typical battle sequence of one having the upper hand before the other unleashed a power move and then interweaving some touching flashbacks with the we're the same, you know, <laughs> thrown in there a few times. I liked it though. It's been done to death, but it was thoroughly enjoyable because Todoroki was on the screen. <laughs> Deku pleaded and cried during the start of the fight, telling Todoroki to unleash his full power, breaking his fingers each time he used a Detroit smash. And honestly, are we not past the point of training where he doesn't break his fingers? I feel like it's going on forever. And I can't wait to see Deku get this under control because if he can break a finger to get himself out of possession, how is he not leveled up to the point where he can flick someone and not break a finger that way as well? This is what I'm struggling with. I love this show, but man, I've got some questions that need answers. I've got a fucking essay that needs an answer. Weaved into the fight. We also see a lot of Todoroki's backstory, just like I thought we would. Um, Well, it's called Todoroki Origins, so if I didn't, I'd be surprised. And boy, oh boy, (laughs) this kid needs some therapy. We see his mother, never her full face though. She appears to love Todoroki passionately and she tells him that he can be a hero if he wants to be. He can be whoever he wants to be and not to be scared of his father's powers because he is his own person. Easier said than done um, as Todoroki gets beaten up by Endeavor and she gets beaten up by Endeavor and he's not allowed to play with any of the other kids and X, Y, Z... I feel like that we're going to need more than words for this kid because this is just a breeding ground for trauma. (laughs) I also wanted to ask anyone listening, does Endeavor do his flame beard because he can't grow a real one? (laughs) Is there a part of him that thinks that he is fooling anyone? 
because it looks a little bit ridiculous. And if we do a time skip and Todoroki starts in on dad's beard fashion, I am fucking done with this show. I know that there is some sort of aging because I've seen pictures of Deku looking a bit slimmer and a bit older with his dorky little hair um, having a little trim. I am keen to see time skip kitties if this happens, particularly Todoroki. But if he looks this dorky, uh, uh, no, get rid of it. I don't want it on my screen. Back with the flashbacks, we see Todoroki just wanting to play with the other kids, like I said, and wanting to be a normal child, but being made to train non-stop. We also then see him catch his mum on the phone while she's boiling the kettle. She's talking to someone about how she can't stand the sight of Todoroki's right eye because of the memory that it stirs up and it looks just like his dad and... Then she pours boiling water on his face and it's absolutely brutal. I wonder how, I I do wonder if this is a moment where the manga is more, where the manga outlines this scene a lot more um, and if it's censored for the anime. Um, I'm watching, sorry, I'm reading berserk at the moment and i there's so much in that if anyone's read it holy moly there's so much in that where i'm thinking i couldn't i couldn't even imagine this being animated um so i i wonder if this is going to be different when i read the manga for this show i'm not reading it at the moment because i don't want spoilers but at the same time maybe i should because I feel like there'd be a lot of censorship. The storyline is quite dark in moments and there is a lot of things that are discussed that I feel would be fleshed out in the manga. I might give it a go. I have read chapter one, but this did give me a little bit of a, oh, I wonder how different it would be. After this happens, Endeavor tells Shoto that because she put his masterpiece at risk, he put her in hospital So now I have a few more ideas that I wanted to ask. One, is she still there and will she come back or will she feature later down the track? Two, is the elder brother not around because of this incident and does he blame Endeavor or Todoroki for this? And is she also, three, sorry, is she also the elder brother's mother or is the elder brother the product of Endeavor buying some other woman to see what would be the best quirk? Like how many kids has he got because he wants to find the best quirk and have the best masterpiece? And four, one, two, three, four. Yep, four. (laughs) What was Endeavor like with the elder brother? Is he this brutal to Todoroki? because the brother's evil. I don't even know if the brother's evil, but if is that a reason? Is the brother evil because of the way that Endeavor has treated him? I have so many questions. Oh my goodness. Every time I start watching this show again, I just come out with all of these questions, all these theories, and I just want the answers. I want to look up the ending of the show, but I know I need to be patient, but I can't be patient. Ugh. Back to the fight again. 
while the flashbacks are happening, things are heating up and Deku is getting inside Todoroki's head. He's pointing out that he isn't proving anything by only using his mother's quirk and that Todoroki should use all of his quirk but make it his own. He's shit-talking Todoroki while bleeding and broken just enough that Todoroki does finally snap and he goes a little bit mental. He starts shooting off fire left, right and centre and it looks intense. But because he's using fire, Endeavor's just about creaming his jeans and runs to the front of the fucking stadium to cheer slash taunt slash fangirl. He really is just a piece of shit, man. Is there any character development for this guy? Or should he just walk off the side of a building? Because honestly, this is just ridiculous. What makes him think that Todoroki is using this quirk because of anything he has said. He's literally said that he hates him. Why is Endeavor so proud? I'm... Questions. (laughs) That's all I gotta say, questions. Todoroki and Deku use their full power at each other and just about blow the stadium to pieces. Midnight's blown away. Cementos is trying to intervene. Everyone's eyebrows are singed and poor fucking Minato is holding on for dear life because his nappy wearing ass is flying away from the stadium completely. It's absolutely chaos. It is another example though of the animation department loving Todoroki. But in saying this, rightfully so, it is a really monumental moment. It was insane and I loved every second of it. While they're gearing up, you know, um, Deku's got the veins that are sparkly. Todoroki's got ice coming up and um, and flames everywhere. The music is climaxing. It's just building up the hype so well that before the dust clears, we finally see what's happened. And that's that Deku has been beaten. He is outside of the arena and unconscious, um, just barely standing up before he falls down. Oh, my goodness. He put up a freaking fight, though, didn't he? Todoroki is looking just as shocked with this outcome and is half naked because he's burnt off half his clothes. It's a a good look for him. (laughs) But that's the end of that episode as well. I am enjoying learning about people's motivations and learning about the backstories, um, especially in these past couple episodes. I am assuming that I'm going to get a lot of backstories throughout the next episodes ahead as well, um, particularly about Bakugo, unless if they focus the flashbacks on Kirishima, which, I mean, I don't mind, but I don't think they'll do. I I, I lied. I don't want them. I want Bakugo. (laughs) Also, their little bromance has me so hyped for that fight. Bakugo is a dick to Kirishima, but Kirishima honestly thinks the sun shines out of Bakugo's ass and loves him. So I'm here for that ship. I think that they're kind of cute. Kirishima forces Bakugo to accept him and um, enjoy his company. He doesn't care that Bakugo hates society. He's forcing his friendship upon him. And I think that that's kind of cute because Deku does do the same thing, but... Bakugo obviously has a lot of internalized anger towards Deku. So Kirishima is what Deku could never be. (laughs) And honestly, then my final prediction, as I've said before, and I will go down with this prediction, is that the enemy will attack. Because what Shonen tournament arc is complete without an infiltration in the final battles or when crowning the winner? 
everyone's going to be exhausted. Um, someone's going to come in. They're all going to have to work together. And if I'm wrong, well, at least my imagination is providing quality entertainment, but I do not think I will be wrong. It happens every time. <laughs> Anywho, that is the end of this episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed a little return to My Hero Academia, um, something that we know and love. It's our little comfort show here at Champions Breakfast. I am going to be doing a few more episodes here and there um, all over the place of other shows. I have got people coming on. It is turning into a little bit of a um, anime virgin podcast where I'm getting people who have never seen anime to come and uh, try it out for the first time. But honestly, it's been really fun, especially the Promised Neverland episodes. I loved them. I am going to be recording season two very soon with Olivia again. And also a few episodes of movies are going to be coming out. There's going to be a few Ghibli movies. There's going to be a few that are coming and hitting the movies. I've got some big plans ahead for the next season of Champions Breakfast. So stay tuned. As always, if you want to reach out, please, my email is championsbreakfast at outlook.com. If you want to get in touch in another way, my Instagram handle is at champsbfastpod please look it up, have a follow, have a little laugh at some of the pictures that go up, some of the posts that I share on the story, which I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but I think they're winners. And also a few fun facts that come out and news that comes out around the anime world. So if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening, give us a follow, stay in touch. And um, I will talk to you guys all again very, very soon. Bye.